today, so I thought what I want to do is go into the Scripture, and I know there's questions like, we hear much about the church, but what do we really consider the church is? You know, when we hear the church mentioned. And here's things like, and we're going to answer these, but things like, who started the church? When did it start? Whose church is it? Why do we need it? Who is in it? Is there only one church? What should the church be like? And then maybe for some people even, what's the big deal? We hate to think of that, huh? What's the big deal about church? I hear stuff about church, but what's the big deal? So we're going to answer those questions. And to get the right answers, we need to look in the Scripture. God answers these questions in His Word, the Bible. If we just ask these kind of questions, you know, to society in general or to the world, we would get different answers to that question about what church is, different opinions. But I know you're like me and you want real answers and real direction and God will give it to us in His Word because it's recorded in there. First, I would like to tell you a little bit about my experience with church. As a six-year-old child, my family moved here to Libby. That was in the year 1967. We attended the Libby Christian Church that was then meeting at the Grange Hall, which is, if you know, across from the high school uh, where Danny's Auto is, that's where the, the Grange Hall building was that we were meeting in. As the church grew, they purchased property that is now currently the site of the Cabinet Peaks Medical Center. In fact, our old building was taken down to for the new facility that is there. Uh, the church continued to grow and outgrew the property there, and the church ended up being at our current location. Okay? So that's a 47-year quick tour of my being a member of the Libby Christian Church. Five years ago uh, this month, I came to work here as an associate minister, um, and I just say that just a little bit so you know where I'm coming from when I'm talking about these things, but I can tell you, as you already know, as they say, experience is the best teacher, isn't it? For all of us, we can say that because experiences in life and things uh, teach us many things. And I've had many experiences in the 47 years here at the church, and uh, I know many of you have had different experiences in the church, and in fact, just the fact that you're here today is you are building a, a history with the church. And the church is, you know, God's people and being part of that, it's the people. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, I've seen many things in the church through time and I thought, what are, what are some of the things that I've seen that maybe people, other people see that are in the church, thoughts come to mind as they see the church going along. I have this list, there's about 19 or 20 things that I'm going to say here, but listen to these and let your mind kind of see how they bounce off your mind and maybe trigger some of the things through time, whether you've been here a long time or maybe this could be your first or second week that you've been here. But good, I've seen good and bad, happy and sad, slow, fast, nice, mean, Rich, poor, righteous, unrighteous, clean and dirty, 
truth, lies, knowledge, foolishness, moral, immoral, honest, dishonest, love, hate, kind, unkind, sweet, bitter, upright, crooked, comfort, conviction, peace, turmoil, trust, doubt, committed, uncommitted, faithful, faithless. But the list could go on and on. But here's what I found out. Real people in the real world of being in God's church where his son Jesus does something wonderful. He, his, Jesus does something wonderful as we think about those thoughts and how we are as people. And at times, i got to be honest, it doesn't make any sense to me how we can get along. Sometimes in our own families, it's just hard to get along with one or two people, isn't it? And we have hundreds and hundreds of people here that are involved in the Libby church body and we, we see Jesus being the glue. But God's Spirit's in the church and He loves the church. He, he does. He loves the church. It was His idea. And His Son Jesus is the head of the church and He gave Himself up for the church. And I want you to grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 25. She, she'll have the Scripture up here probably behind me. Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. It's good to hear those pages rattling. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Here in Paul's letter to the believers in Ephesus, he uses the marriage relationship of a man and a woman to help us understand now That's something that we can understand, isn't it? The relationship of marriage and a man and a woman caring for each other. Well, that's that's what is used here as an example of how Jesus cares for the church and the way he views the church. And remember, the church is us here. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat to think about? That that example is used when I... Now, when I hear people talking trash about the church, I shake my head and I think, you know, that's the bride of Christ. We, we see that in God's Word. And I think, what does Jesus think about that when people say things about trash in the church? And, you know, we might uh, sometimes think, well, it's just some of the people in the church that we're talking about. But very quickly, the church gets labeled into it. That person goes to church, they call their self a Christian. They're doing that at the church and I don't agree with that or whatever. And, and you know, we, we often hear people talking about things like that. Have you ever went up and told some guy that their wife was ugly or stupid or 
not a good fisherman or not a good hunter. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I mean, because it, it can bring bodily harm to you. <laughs> and then also, I'm thinking sometimes the guy that's doing it might be bigger than you. And if it was me and I made that determination, I'm not foolish. I'll just take care of things later when the opportunity's right, right? <laughs> huh. Kind of when somebody's not paying attention. But I mean, we, we laugh about that. And of course, I'm, I'm joking about that. But uh, the fact is, Jesus loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And He is the provider and the protector of the church. And we will see, the Scripture tells us that even the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's because Jesus is protecting it. He is protecting us. He's watching out for us, just like the husband and wife analogy that we have there. These are important thoughts. But now let's look at where the church is first mentioned. Go to Matthew chapter 16, starting verse 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So that's where Jesus first mentions the church. Here we see Jesus himself talking about the church being built, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it or will not overcome it. And this plan was brought about by God the Father and His Son Jesus. Too, this brings us to, we just witnessed it a few minutes ago, why in church here, like uh, Charity Hedge placed her membership, Brian asked her to repeat the confession that I believe Jesus Christ is God's Son and He's Lord and Savior of my life. And then the baptism, the baptism that we had here, what a good example for me today and the things I'm talking about that we ask that same confession because see here's what happens when we do that is when we say we believe Jesus Christ is God's son and he is the Lord and Savior of our life that is an exclusive statement it's not inclusive it's exclusive and in the world that we live in we live in a world that people want to say there's many gods and you just pick which one's right for you. You just do your thing and do what you want to do and what you think is convicting to you and right to you. And someday you'll be in heaven and things will be happy ever after. Well, they're not using the scripture to tell you that. That's just the devil dis being deceptive and trying to steer us away from the one thing that saves us. And the one thing that saves us is a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Is that right? Yes. So, 
when we make that confession as a church group here, our body here in Libby, Montana, when we say that, we, we are on the same page if we agree with that because we, we know who God is and we know who His Son Jesus is. So that's why we do that. Now let's look at the practical description of uh, the people who are in the church, okay? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to uh, chapter 12. And we're going to start verse 12. So 12, 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Isn't that a simple, interesting, easy way to understand? Spiritually, we think of the body, the church body here, the group of people, and here we're seeing the Scripture tell us it's just like a physical body. And when I think about that, I think, you know, this church, what if everybody was a hand? We would get a lot of things done, right? And you could say things like, I just got to hand it to you, right? (laughs) Thinking of the church being that, there would be so many other things lacking, right? And in experiencing the church for the way, especially the, the staff people that I'm one of here, just throughout the week being here and knowing things that are happening and going on, many, many times there's people just doing stuff. Nobody even tells them to do it. They just see something and they come and they're doing it and, you know, it's something that they can do. And uh, people are taking part and doing those things and oftentimes when you say something to them, hey, I appreciate you doing that. Oh, they don't want any recognition and they, they would probably, some of the people would quit doing what they are doing if we recognize them from up front here and pointed it out because they understand 
that the reason they're doing that for the church, what they are doing is they love God. That's why they're doing it. They're not doing it because we've asked them to or somebody has compelled them to do that. They love God first, like what Jim England had said about in our giving. First they love God and then they fit into the church body and what God has prepared them to be able to do. Isn't that neat? And that's why we see all the things getting done that get done that make up the church that we are, we are seeing here in Libby. I think of things like, I got a list of stuff here, things like supporting missions, the food pantry, Celebrate Recovery, the mission shop, the blessings ministry, the candle ministry, funerals, weddings, children's ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, salt groups, which is our, our small group, home groups. This does not include in any way all of the things that are happening, but when we think of those things, those things come together with people doing the things that um, they are doing. But God uses his people to get the things done that he needs to get done. One of the things that often happens in elders meetings and that I've seen over the years and happening at the elders meetings, we will identify a area of need in the church body, uh, things that are happening, oftentimes areas of ministry. Well, we start praying about that and asking God, how's that going to work out? What are we, what are we going to do here? And God in his timing answers those prayers and those things start happening. It's amazing. And when that happens, it makes you feel humble because you realize it, it was God and the things of God and his spirit, you know, working. It's not us doing it. We're just asking for it and we're receiving it. But now, I want to ask this question. Who's at the wheel or who's the boss? Okay. And Phil's not here, so so you don't you know you can say what you really think. <laughs> but let's look at Colossians chapter one. Look at verses fifteen through eighteen. This says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So there's the answer to that question. Who is the, who's the head of the church? Who's at the wheel? Who's the boss? Well... The boss is Jesus. He's the one. That's his responsibility. He takes care of that very well and very divinely. Now, now here's something then too in thinking about the church that I thought we need to clarify. Is the church perfect? I see some heads. So obviously somebody that you're sitting by, you know what they've been up to, right? <laughs> so you can say that. But you will often hear people say that the People that go to church think they're better than everybody else. Now, we don't think that. We shouldn't think that. And Lord forbid that we would make people think that. And sometimes I think the way 
we come about leading our lives, we make people think that and it's not our intention. But when it really comes down to it and we really understand, we understand that uh, we're not better than anybody else. We're different people in the church body because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. But that's the difference. It isn't because of anything that we are. We have just reached out and grabbed that lifeline and Jesus makes the difference for us. But if I would ask people here, if you're perfect, stand up. I'm not going to ask that, but if I'd ask that, I would, I would hope and I would think that everybody would stay sitting because they understand that. What happens when Jesus is the head of the church? Well, let's look back to Ephesians chapter 5 again. And I want to look at verses 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See right there what happens to the church? Now remember the church, that's us. We already said we're not perfect, but Jesus does something different. And he cleans us up, okay? We call that our salvation, too. He cleans us up. He picks us up and knocks the dust off of us and puts a high shine on us, right? And he changes us from what we were before into something good. Turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And pay attention to this next verse here. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I think when we look at some of those things there, we think, well, I haven't done hardly any of those. You might say that quick. Hardly any of those. I haven't done hardly any of those. But is there any wrongdoers in here? That one hits us all, right? A wrongdoer can be somebody that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it. Didn't even do anything. You know? You didn't do anything. Well, by not doing anything, you did something wrong. See? So, this hits all of us, but such were some of us. We were that way, but Jesus came along and he changed us, right? And we're a work in progress. We're getting better. I wish I could tell you that God's got all the rough edges knocked off of me, but he doesn't. I can tell you that, and the people that know me pretty well can say, yep, that's amen, I believe that. You know, this scripture, I love that past tense. Such were some of you. You used to be this way. I love that, because it used to be history, no more. We're different because of Jesus. 
the church is a place of healing and change and a place of salvation. So, remember we started out with some questions that we wanted to answer. Let's kind of quickly go through those. Who started the church? Jesus did. It's God, His and His Father's idea, not ours. When did it start? Well, Jesus first talked about it in Matthew when He's talking to Peter. In the book of Acts, if we had more time, we could look in the book of Acts and it really shows the church in action. The book of Acts does. Whose church is it? Well, it's God's and Jesus is the head of the church and He will present the church to Himself and His Father, the Bride of Christ. Why do we need it? Well, we're broken and sinful and we need each other. The church helps us get along in this life and uh, we learn in the church and that's why God left the church for us when His Son departed. So I think of it as a survival mechanism that helps us get by in this life. He did that divine thing for us because the people that I know and have here in the church body and stuff, I couldn't do without them. That's a fact. Okay, so who is in it? Well, God's people. Just That's us. Look around. If you want to know who's in the church, look around. That'll tell you. Is there only one church? That's kind of a trick question, right? Is there only one church? So I thought about that and I thought, okay, let's flip the dime there. Let's ask God. Is there only one church? God would say yes. He would say yes, there is one church. Now, it na- involves many nations, many people worldwide has crossed the lines of, of centuries, thousands of years and stuff, but there is one church. And I know exactly who is in that church. I can give you a membership list. My son has that. I know who's in my church, so God can answer that. So when we ask the question, is there one church? The first thing is as well, you know, just here in Libby, we got the Libby Church and the Happy Zen Church, but the fact is, is it's all part of the one body of Jesus. So remember that. What should the church be like? Well, we get an idea as we're in a healthy church. I think Libby Christian Church is a healthy church body that's trying to be and do what God has called us to do. We're not perfect, but Jesus is, and He's the one that is helping us and giving us guidance to become what God wants us to be. We have His Word. We go by His Word. And we have His Spirit to guide us along the way. Then maybe even the question, what's the big deal? Okay. We brought that up. What's church? Okay. Church, I hear about church all the time. What's the big deal? Well, eternity with God is in store for those who choose to be part of the church. The bride of Christ, the Son of God. Now, that is a big deal, isn't it? And then when the church is the church, we see and we choose to be part of it or we might think, well, I'll wait and see or we might think, well, it's not for me. So, I would leave you with this. What do you think? What do you think when the church is the church? I want to just uh, offer an invitation time and after, as we pray here in a minute, the, the worship 
team will be coming back up here too for our closing invitation song. But I want you to just think about this week, the church, and where you fit into that and what you're doing to be part of God's body, the church, the bride of Christ. And then, too, this morning, there could be some people here, maybe have questions on membership. You, you saw a, a, a lady charity place her membership, and you saw a lady be baptized. You might have some questions there about that. Well, we have people that can help answer your questions. You might have somebody that you want to pray for or pray with, and uh, our uh, prayer room over here, we use that for that, and we'll pair you up with someone if you have questions. But I would just ask you this time to just pray along with me, okay, please? Dear Father, as we come before you, God, we are thankful that your word tells us about the church, God. And we're thankful that we get to be part of it, God. And also that uh, even in our brokenness and our our disappointments that we do to you, God, you love us. You loved us so much that Jesus died for us. And as the church uh, goes along, God, it's about who you are and who your son is. And thank you for uh, us here in Libby in this church group to be able to be part of that. And I just lift up the people, Lord, that have questions, maybe wondering about if church is something for them or or if it's real or if it makes a difference, God, that uh, they will see you and they will see your son Jesus and uh, they will live with you in eternity because of uh, being part of something that goes well beyond us or any of our things. It's about who you are, God. So thank you for that. And we pray and ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.